It's the WP Minute. The following episode is a recording of State of the Word 2022, hosted by Matt Mullenweg. This recording includes the entire presentation, including the question and answer segment from those that were in the audience uh, in New York and from the internet. If you want more WordPress news like this, don't forget to subscribe at thewpminute.com slash subscribe. Welcome to everyone. Thank you all for being here. This is very exciting. Um, I am excited to see all your faces. It's been many years since I've seen some of you. Um, in case you have not noticed, we are changing our hashtag this year. It is state of the word written out. But remember to do your capitalization for people using reading, uh, no, assistive technologies, readers, screen readers. I got it. Uh, <laughs> there is going to be a Q&A portion after this. It will be here from our live audience, but also some folks at home. Um, uh, he's the at-home portion for us right now. So if you have any questions, get them ready. If you're here, there's a microphone here that you will be able to ask your questions at. Or if you are watching at home, you can head on over to the YouTube embed of this uh, live stream. And we are monitoring the chat there for questions as well. Um, that is all that I have to say. Um, and I think that's probably all that you want to hear from me anyway. And so... Tonight, giving our annual State of the Word, where we talk about everything we've done this year and everything we hope to do next year, is of course, WordPress Project co-founder, Matt Mullenweg. Thank you, Jessica. <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> We're really here. So, uh, welcome everybody. And I've been told to ask if folks over here can just move up one row, uh, if you don't mind. We're, we're gonna try to fill out the front a bit. Uh, this is so exciting and so honestly fulfilling to be together again. Oh yeah, I guess everyone's <laughs> started a cascade. <laughs> um, for those joining us live, we are here in uh, New York City. Uh, it is, the sun is setting. We've got a few invited community members from all over the world. Thank you all for coming. We had people joined by plane, train, and automobile. How long was a train ride? Well, two and a half day. Two and a half day train ride to get here. So that is definitely the most interesting. Um, I actually am, uh, also came a, probably a two and a half day trip, but um, all the way from Antarctica. So if you, if you notice a little bit of a raccoon tan, <laughs> that was because I had very strong sunglasses and uh, I guess not strong enough sunblock. Uh, so that's me with some penguins. And uh, while there, um, I read a lot of books and learned a lot about Antarctica. And one that particularly stood out, actually a leader who's inspired me for a long time, was Ernest Shackleton. And I knew a lot about his endurance journey where ships crashed or got stuck and then they sent back, basically they, they saved every person who was on that journey. But a story I didn't know about him, which I learned about, was on one of his journeys to the South Pole, um, he turned away only 97 miles away from reaching the pole. Uh, which is pretty darn close. <laughs> if you've ever tried to go, I think I flew like, if you add it all up, like almost 7,000 miles back. So to turn around to the last 97. 
And actually, as this was happening, as I was reading about this, I was thinking about the version 5.9 release. <laughs> <laughs> so you might know that today was a scheduled, or right around today, was the scheduled, uh, originally scheduled date for the WordPress 5.9 release. And we made a very, very unusual decision uh, for WordPress to delay the release uh, for about a month. So we're going to release it in January. Uh, but it felt like we were so close, and we decided to turn around. And, uh, but I am very, I th believe it was entirely the right decision, as it was for Shackleton. He made it back alive. I think his saying was, better to be a live donkey than a dead lion. <laughs> so we don't want full site editing, which is coming in 5.9, to be a dead lion. Uh, but it was also, uh, I think, a moment for reflection. Because, of course, we talk about, in the philosophy part of WordPress, how deadlines are not arbitrary. And whenever we were making that decision, which wasn't that long ago, uh, to delay the release, um, I wasn't thinking so much about what was happening right then, the kind of month before the release, but what did we do three, four, five months before? So I think it's an excellent time to reflection, for reflection, and actually some of this has started on Anne McCarthy's blog. We started talking in her comment section, uh, in public, of course, as everything happens on WordPress, about what we can learn from this, that we can start putting into effect, not just for the release coming next month, which will be fine, but for the big 6.0, which is coming next year. I've even heard some uh, rumblings that 2022 might be a year we aim for four releases instead of just three. But let's not get too crazy just yet. We're at the beginning of the, the state of the world, not the end. Um, <laughs> uh, we had a very, very exciting 2021. And really, it was quite fulfilling to be part of it after such, well, it's still part of a very challenging time in humanity. One of the things I wanted to highlight first was our eight new core committers, both the core and themes. So let's do a round of applause. For Kelly, David, William, Isabel, Johnny, Jeff, JB, and Tanya. Um, so excited uh, that they now have ability to change the code that runs 43% of the internet. <laughs> Um, another update is we, we focused a lot this year on WordPress.org, and uh, one I'd like to highlight to start is around the news sites. And this, we do have some guest audio. We weren't able to get people from around the world all to New York, but we have some audio that... For the past year, we've been working in the redesign of the news page in WordPress.org. The general inspiration was last year's State of the Word presentation and overall jazz aesthetics. Because the blog doesn't have much imagery, we took some time to explore shapes, typography, layout, and colors to get a successful result that expresses the playfulness of jazz. Last time we redesigned this might have been like WordPress 3.0. So it's exciting to start to loop back to some things in WordPress.org. Another thing we were able to launch on WordPress.org was Openverse, which I swear we named before Facebook decided to pivot. <laughs> Openverse is a search engine for openly licensed media. Search for an image, download, and put it on your site. Give attribution to the creator. And that's it. Learn <laughs> more at WordPress.org slash Openverse. 
So OpenVerse is part of, we've started to expand how we think about our mission from just being about the code and the tools that allow people to publish to actually what they're publishing. So OpenVerse was originally uh, called Creative Commons Search, was actually part of the Creative Commons nonprofit. But the sort of cost in running it, um, they decided they were gonna shut it down or, or put it somewhere. And we found a home for it on WordPress.org, which I'm very, very excited about. Uh, we have over 600 million Creative Commons images licensed through it. And uh, we're gonna have audio coming up at the end of January. Uh, there'll be two million audio clips there. And you know, applying open source to, to content is a little tricky, but the Creative Commons, of course, has a long legacy there, I think 20 years now. And so we're very, very excited to continue carrying that torch forward to create as much open content on the web as possible. The other thing we got on WordPress.org is the pattern directory. The WordPress pattern directory, similar to the plugin and theme, is a site that features submitted patterns that anyone can copy and use. With WordPress 5.9, WordPress.org members will be able to sign in and submit patterns to be added to the directory, as you can see in this flow. This is a huge opportunity for designers to contribute to the overall WordPress ecosystem without having to know how to code, a plugin, or a theme. If you've used patterns in WordPress lately, you know they make it easy to add unique layouts to your site quickly. Now imagine helping others create beautiful content from testimonials, headers, galleries, and more with your own submissions. Once submitted, patterns will be set to pending, and you'll be able to see all your patterns in one place. Submitted patterns can also be resized right on the page to give a better understanding of how our pattern will be displayed at different sizes. And since patterns are really just text, they can be copied to your device's clipboard, just like any other text. Just paste the pattern into any block editor to incorporate it into your site. Catch that. So the copy pattern button on WordPress.org, you just press that, then you go over to your Gutenberg, paste, and you get whatever was there. So this is a very, very exciting way. You know, with the first version of Gutenberg, the phase one, what we really created was all the fundamental building blocks, um, almost like uh, that you can build pretty much anything out of, much unlike uh, Legos or you know, strands of DNA. Uh, but with patterns, we now have the ability for really anyone, whether with no code or low code, uh, to be able to create and share complex uh, presentations of what you can do with blocks. Another thing I was really, really proud about our progress in 2021 was what we call the polyglots. Uh, if you don't know, polyglot is a word for someone who speaks a lot of languages. Uh, I speak barely one, so <laughs> these folks always impress me quite a bit. Uh, we had a 76% improvement in the language packs that are being created for plugins and core. And we're up to now 15,900 active translators. Uh, with that work, we've been able to take the number of locales that WordPress is translated to at time of release to 71. <laughs> 71, could anyone name 71 languages? <laughs> it's pretty impressive. Um, the other thing we've been able to do is, uh, for those who don't know, our translation system is actually powered by an open source project called GlotPress. Uh, and in GlotPress, we uh, we're able to add a lot of new projects, including OpenVerse, Learn WordPress, the Pattern Directory, and Patterns. So these are now all part of what we're translating. OpenVerse, which we just heard about, is translated into 17 languages already. Learn.wordpress is in 24, Patterns are in 24, and the Pattern Directory is in 25 different locales. So in our mission of democratizing publishing, of course, we're not doing it just for people who speak English. <laughs> Uh, and this presentation, everything, we're trying to translate into as many languages as possible, so it's as widely accessible as possible. And speaking of that, um, there's also been some exciting developments around diversity in WordPress. 
So we created this new diverse speaker program and speaker support program that have had 135 participants go through it so far in 66 cities and 16 countries around the world. Uh, this is uh, basically a program to help people who uh, might not have spoken at a WordCamp or at a WordPress event before. Um, basically get some guidance on how to do so. Uh, they already have the skills and everything like that. Uh, this is, I would love to grow this number quite a bit. And if you would like to get involved in one of these trainings in the future, the URL, Josepha, is... make.wordpress.org slash community and the magical WordPress Twitter account. We'll put that out shortly, yes. or probably the correct answer there. Correct answer. <laughs> Some of these slides were changing until literally minutes ago. <laughs> Part of making WordPress more accessible as well is about the learning. And so last year I talked a lot about learn.wordpress.org, which is this idea, how do we teach more people uh, the power of how to uh, learn WordPress, teach them how to fish. Uh, we've had 186 uh, social learning spaces, which are basically like cohorts of people going through the different classes. We have 73 workshops and 70 different lesson plans that teachers, college professors, elementary school teachers can adopt and teach to their students. Um, this is all available in 21 languages, and so far we have two courses that people can go through, which are like full collections of lessons and plans and things like that. Um, this is pretty nascent as well. We've only had about a thousand people go through, through this so far. But as the content gets better and better, as it gets iterated on, the people working on this um, you know, kind of improve it with every single iteration. So when a class goes through, they say, okay, this was easy to understand, this was harder, and of course, it all gets translated. Uh, if you are looking for a way to contribute to WordPress, by the way, hosting a workshop is a very, very easy way. Because um, it's just a few hours of time to be there with folks uh, that are attending the workshop. And Certainly, if you're listening to this, <laughs> you have more than enough knowledge to be able to share with someone new to WordPress. Uh, as this grows and develops, we're going to make it a much more prominent part of what, what you see when you visit WordPress.org, because so many people coming there who might put their Powered by WordPress or Proudly Powered by WordPress on a site um, might be curious in learning what it is. And so I think this is actually one of our biggest opportunities to just uh, expand the knowledge of really what WordPress is and also define to a new audience what WordPress is uh, through these courses. We had a pretty good year for growth as well. So in the distribution of WordPress, I'm proud to announce that according to W3Text, we now power 43% of the websites. We also had, uh, we doubled the number of themes that were being added to the directory. Huge amount of work there from everyone who works on theme moderation and theme directory. And we had the most downloads of the software ever. And this isn't including updates, this is fresh downloads of the software. Uh, so pretty much by every metric, it was a bit of a, a great year, which is impressive because like many um, online services, we experienced a big COVID bump. So to actually lap everything that happened last year was pretty great. To put that 43% in perspective, it's actually 43.1%. <laughs> but we went from 39.1 to 43.1 in the past year. And this is a list of the other top five in there. So uh, the number two right now is Shopify, which went from 3.1 to 4.4. Wix is number three, which went from 1.5 to 1.9%. Squarespace went from 1.4 to 1.8%. And the only other open source project that's still in the top five is Joomla which actually shrunk from 2.2% to 1.8%. In general, the CMSs are not taking market share from each other. 
So what we're taking market share from is what W3Techs calls none, which is uh, basically websites that are running a not discernible content management system, which most likely means it's custom or something that was kind of bespoke for that site. So what we've seen is a huge shift. This used to be over two thirds of sites. Uh, running some sort of custom CMS of the sites in the top 10 million. A huge shift of them are running to CMSs. But one thing that's concerning to me here is the top three used to be WordPress, Drupal, and Joomla, which are all great because we're all GPL. <laughs> so as those grow, it means that there's more and more open source on the web. But we've seen these three proprietary systems pass up all the other open source systems other than WordPress. Now the good news is WordPress is still growing pretty fast. Uh, in this market share analysis, we actually grew two entire Wixes this year, <laughs> which is a new unit of measurement. <laughs> um, and to put that in perspective, we're still 10 times larger than number two out there. But uh, this doesn't happen for free, and we shouldn't take any of this for granted. Um, there are, in the history of software, and certainly the internet, there are many uh, services that are, were once dominant that now we need museums to remember what they were. So uh, to maintain and in fact accelerate this growth, which it did in 2021, uh, we really need to, one, stay humble and stay close to users and iterating the software as quickly as possible. One thing that's been in the news quite a bit uh, lately is also security. And I'm proud to say it was a good year for WordPress security. Um, we had over 30 people, of which a third of them were first time contributors, contributing security patches. Um, in our security reporting system, 71% of the reports ended up being closed as not applicable. And about 5.6 for duplicates, so this means that someone had reported them already. Uh, security is a process. Um, anyone who says they are perfectly secure is tempting fate. <laughs> but it's a process, and the investments that we put into updating WordPress, um, and basically in partnerships with the host, where we work with both host and CDNs like Cloudflare to whenever we are aware of something, we actually uh, work with them first to protect WordPress sites often at the network edge or at the host or data center edge, in addition to being able to push auto updates um, to the vast majority of WordPress sites in the world. And this is incredibly important as we go forward and continue to grow. Again, security is a process, not an endpoint. So our ability to be one of the most secure platforms in the world is 100% a result of how much we're gonna be able to update sites. Uh, because humans are fallible, something I fundamentally under, uh, believe. Uh, all our code is written by humans, as far as I know. <laughs> so that means our code is fallible. So that means Somewhere in the WordPress, many hundreds of thousands of lines of code, there's something that could be improved or some sort of bug, which might have a security implication. So what's really key there is, not, is how we're going to be able to update it. Uh, in terms of updates, changes, improvements, we also um, did a lot of the block themes. So this is last year, we only had two of these in the world. <laughs> now we're up to, or three, now we're up to 30, so we have a 10x, but this is nothing compared to what it's going to be in the future. Um, Block themes are basically themes that are built from the ground up to be uh, customizable entirely with the Gutenberg block editor. Uh, 2022, which is the new default theme, which will actually launch in 2022 <laughs> with the release of 5.9, um, uses all of our new tools, including blocks, themes.json, and the new design tools I'll talk a little bit about later and a little bit next uh, in this presentation. We also finally got to you know, one of the uh, as you know, like, there's a limited number of developers for WordPress, so we kind of work on different things at different times, which means sometimes there's parts of it that haven't had attention in a while. 
And if you have recently updated widgets in your sidebar, <laughs> you might have seen one of those parts. <laughs> but coming up, uh, or, or actually now, you can now manage widgets with the block editor. Which... As WordPress 5.8, you can now manage your widgets with blocks, allowing you to visually edit more parts of your site. This is actually really Here's cool. Here's an example showing off how deep customization can go with a combination of tools, starting with layering two blocks to create a neat effect. As you can see, being able to use blocks opens up tons of new creative possibilities, from no-code mini layouts to tapping into the vast library of core and third-party blocks to create content. That's the focal point changing. Keep in mind that you'll have the same controls in the post editor perfected placement and the opacity. Go a step further and add a duotone filter to create an even more compelling experience. Enjoy the familiar experience of drag and drop to get the details just right before saving, checking out your awesome creation on your site. Ta-da! <laughs> that was a little bit of a widgets and blocks demo, but also some really cool Gutenberg stuff that we're going to talk more about later. The other block, maybe the most com complex block ever created, is called a query block. <laughs> So imagine WP underscore query now Thanks on a block. Thanks to Guru block launched in 5.8, you can now easily display your posts and pages with blocks, as you can see here. This advanced block comes built in with various layouts that you can switch between until you find the one that you like. From there, you can go a step further to customize your featured images thanks to new design tools coming in 5.9. This includes dimension controls and various scale options so you can tweak to your heart's content. Again, that was like a pretty fancy demo. I'll mention a few things in there. You got to the block navigator, which is a very exciting way and accessible way to navigate through blocks. And I don't know if you saw it, but what Anne was doing in that demo when she was changing the size was actually she clicked and then moved her mouse up and down, which actually increases it. And finally, one of the things that we're still not sure how to describe exactly, but we're very excited to be part of the design tools of WordPress is Duotone filters. Image filters like Duotone can be used in even more places like the featured image block. It's a great way to bring character to your photos and perhaps in the future your videos. This means you can transform your images without touching any code or photo editor. If you look, I'm going to try to go back to the beginning of that. <laughs> she might start talking again. Um, but if you saw, those images were all kind of different colors and they didn't really match. What Duotone allows is imagine Duotone being like grayscale. But instead of just going between white and black, you get to choose the two colors that it goes between. So essentially what this can do is create a really cool, consistent aesthetic throughout all the images. And what we're having here is it's actually being used in the query block. So when Anne updates one of them uh, to you know, kind of cross-fade the highlights or shadows, which you can choose, um, it actually updates every single uh, post in that block. So that's why they all now look cool and consistent. Uh, this is a pretty cool tool. <laughs> It's hard to explain, but really fun to play with. <laughs> so if you're going to uh, get a, one of the latest uh, block themes, including you can download the 2022 one from betas. Oh, we got a little feedback there. Um, play with this. It is really, really cool. And another cool thing is that uh, themes can, of course, define the default gradients that are suggested through themes.json. Uh, all of this is possible because of the literally thousands of people that contribute to WordPress. So just like we did in the beginning, thanking committers, I do want to thank and highlight, at the very least, the faces, if not all the names, of some of the contributors to our last releases. So the 5.7 release was named for the amazing jazz bassist, Esperanza Spalding. And we had 481 contributors in that release, of which 24% were brand new. 
This is all of their faces. Five point eight was named for the virtuosic pianist Art Tatum. Um, one of my favorites. Check out Tatum recordings; they will blow your mind. And in that, we had five hundred and thirty contributors. Again, about twenty-five percent new. <laughs> uh, and this is all of them. Da, da, da. And for five point nine. <laughs> Your face could be up here still. <laughs> I mean, not right now. But for 5.9, we've already had 580 contributors to the core software. But if you watch your avatar up here uh, for the release post, uh, there's still a few weeks. <laughs> so you can test, submit patches, or otherwise contribute to WordPress 5.9. Um, and this is the folks who have already showed up. So cheers to them. Contributors show up for all sorts of reasons. It's to give back to the project that helped them, to network and socialize with like-minded people, to support and learn from entrepreneurs and other professionals, to gain valuable skills that are really, really useful, work alongside some of the best developers in the world. And if you have another reason, uh, drop us a tweet. So we're using the state of the word tag, but we're also gathering uh, lots of feedback during this, during this live stream and for whoever's watching this later. Uh, so use the state of the word. <laughs> uh, hashtag, and uh, we're going to check that out and actually highlight some of them on the blog later. Um, you know, block editors and visual editors have been around for a long time, but one of the things really unique about WordPress and one of the reasons it's taken us so much work to get to where we are today with Gutenberg is we are committed to doing this in a web standards-based way, in a way where the code is very, very clean, which also means it's more accessible and highly performant. If you haven't yet, look up some of the benchmarks of Gutenberg versus any other page builder. Uh, it generally has much higher scores and much lighter code. Um, we are on the cusp of finally coming to 5.9. This looks like an Apple slide, right? It's kind of cool. <laughs> it's got duotone, uh, improved gallery, which you can drag and drop, block spacing with a single control, blurter bark, flexible layouts, themes and patterns. You can edit your site logo easily, including make the logo bigger, which I'm sure some designers have heard. Someone got that one. The list view, which is super, super cool. It allows you to navigate between relatively complex hierarchies of blocks very, very easily. And finally, the integrated pattern directory, which is probably the easiest way to essentially contribute code to WordPress that has ever existed. Um, we've got a few demos here of what's in 5.9. And these are honestly some of the coolest demos we've ever shown in the state of the world. The 5.9 release marks the introduction of a next generation of themes that allows greater customization and simpler building. Themes can now be created entirely with blocks, meaning you get all the familiar editing tools and the same blocks you use when creating posts and pages to allow you to edit all parts of your site, including your header and footer. All the templates from the theme can be edited using the block editor, like the homepage, your blog archive, or single pages. Want to zoom in on just your header? Easy. Using the top toolbar, select your header and switch into a dedicated mode to do exactly that. Once there, you can explore the new navigation block that comes with built-in responsive and keyboard accessible options. With over 30 theme blocks, the ability to customize and create every part of your site has never been easier. 
And do it in a fully responsive way as you just shop with moving from desktop to mobile views. We've now got styles. Styles so cool. introduce a quick and intuitive way to change all the visual elements of your site globally, from typography to colors to various aspects of how blocks appear. All of this allows you to achieve distinct looks by modifying the style presets. Here's an example from the 2022 theme showing how drastically different the theme can be with tweaks to the styling options. You can change anything, but there must always be birds. <laughs> it's called the hatchery theme. I mean, you're kind of stuck with it. <laughs> and then finally, we improved how patterns work. Patterns can be used to create different sections like headers and footers. In a few clicks, you can make a brand new header without changing your theme. Open the inserter, switch to the patterns tab, and select explore to see what's available. All these new features help you get where you want to go faster. Time and time again, as we look towards the future of WordPress, it's probably my favorite slide, <laughs> um, we're finally achieving one of the things that WordPress set out to do uh, 18 years ago now. <laughs> I feel a little old saying that. <laughs> uh, I think starting well, actually, now I've worked on WordPress more than half my entire life. I hope to work on the rest of my life, if you all still let me. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why we started the Gutenberg Project. When we first introduced Gutenberg a few years ago, all the way to when we first showed the first mock-ups and ideas of it in 2013, we said this was going to be the foundation on what the new versions of Gutenberg was uh, what the new versions of WordPress were built on, what our next 10 years would be. And uh, not only are we enabling folks to express themselves, and ideally uniquely on the web, unlike the cookie cutter that all the social sites try to put you into, the cookie cutter looks, um, we're doing it a way which is standards-based, interoperable, <laughs> uh, based on open source, increases the amount of freedom on the web, uh, which is very key, certainly to me, and the most important thing, uh, that I work on. Um, as we're renewing our commitment to the open web as a whole, it's also been kind of an exciting time to just be following technology news because a lot of people have been talking about Web3 and the decentralized web. Um, I'm not gonna dig super deep into defining Web3 because I don't think anyone really knows what it means. Uh, but. It is a buzzword that's now being talked about on NPR, Wall Street Journal. Uh, it's being talked about in the context of global st uh, standards. And to me, what Web3 embodies is two essential ideas, decentralization and individual ownership. And for me, those are both things that WordPress is both well poised to be already doing and to continue doing for some time to come. Let's talk about decentralization and ownership. Um, WordPress in specific, but open source in general, you can participate in it from anywhere. There's 30 of us here. <laughs> but the WordPress community, as we saw, is thousands and thousands of people, uh, 15,900 translators. Um, you can host a site anywhere on any infrastructure that you like. You can create your own forks of WordPress. Any person here could create uh, Penguin Press or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> uh, take the code and take it on new time. And you're really only limited uh, by your time and creativity, which is also an aspect of at least my favorite Web3 projects. 
The other key is individual ownership. So in WordPress, as with some of the best Web3 products, um, you own your own content, the code, everything to run it without any payment to WordPress. You can move your content from one site to another easily. In fact, WordPress's export format has become the de facto standard for all their CMSs. <laughs> so even like a Squarespace, and kudos to Squarespace for doing this, supports when you export from Squarespace, they actually export in the WXR, WXR format, which is basically just something we did like 15 years ago, which is take RSS2 and add on a few extra XML fields to create a standards-based uh, WordPress export format. And you have the four freedoms of open source and the GPL. Um, which allow for ownership for every individual, including every person in this room or every person watching this owns WordPress just as much as myself or Mike Little do, and an individual, individuality of expression. Uh, keep this in mind, and I would say apply the filters of everything in Web3, the NFT space, etc. There's been an incredible amount of innovation. I think this uh, has also attracted some hucksters <laughs> and some uh, folks kind of hustling things that aren't truly open. So you all are very familiar with WordPress. So for every project which is asking for your money, dollars, or for you to pay the cost of a house for a picture of an ape, <laughs> you should ask, does it apply the same freedoms which WordPress itself does? And how closely does it hew to and apply to increasing your individual agency and freedom in the world? Uh, ownership has also been a fun topic in WordPress this year because we've had a lot of acquisitions. <laughs> <laughs> there are 42 logos and slides on this, uh, logos on this slide which represent acquisitions I was able to track. For those on the live stream, something just crashed. <laughs> we don't know what it was. Hopefully everyone's okay over there. Um, <laughs> on sites like Post Status, there's been a joke, number of days since acquisition constantly reset to zero. And um, it's been a lot of these. And I probably missed some in this logo site, so I apologize, whatever I missed. Um, so some people have been saying that there's been some sort of unusual trend in WordPress or uh, something crazy happening in our community um, so one thing I like to do in these state of the words is also put whatever we're doing in the context of what is more broadly happening in the technology and world uh, ecosystem out there. So I've got a few slides to share to you, uh, technology and macroeconomic trends. So this from Refintive is the number of uh, deals and M&A happening in just the technology space. Um, so you can see over there a big roll up. <laughs> it doesn't look like almost anything that happened before. So maybe 2000, 2001. I don't have any comments there. Um, but this is going to well over 10,000 transactions uh, in just the first nine months of 2021 alone. And if you were to broaden it to the global M&A landscape, not just technology, we've seen over 45,000 different acquisitions. Um, this is up over 24% from last year, which is already a huge year and represents $3.6 trillion of different mergers and acquisitions. The United States in particular is leading the pact, and the stats there show 139% increase year over year from last year. 
This is driven by another trend which I found utterly shocking to learn and understand, which is uh, capital inflows to stocks. Or is it this, the chart says, come and get them while they're hot? <laughs> um, I'll counter that with a Warren Buffett quote, which is to be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. <laughs> so basically what this is showing is dollars in billions of money moving from other assets into public equities. So you can see, for example, kind of 02 through 07, it's kind of plus or minus 10, 20, 30, 60 uh, million dollars going in and out of equities. We had some bumper years in 13 and 17 with um, 252 and 295 billion dollars coming into public equities. But look at the wire that graph. <laughs> Uh, so far, the estimate for 2021 is, let me make sure I get this correct, $1.6 trillion of capital inflows to public equity markets. So if you see valuations going crazy, <laughs> mergers and acquisitions going crazy, I believe that to be, this to be the root source of what's happening in the broader uh, economic market. Um, there's obviously a source before this. <laughs> I will not uh, venture to guess what it is uh, around stimulus or governments or something like that. Um, but this also, my point here is that these trends are not unique to WordPress. So our 42 deals <laughs> is not that bad compared to what's going on in the world. Um, there's also been something that's been talked about in context of this that the larger the company, the greater the influence they are in the WordPress world. And I would like to counter that as well and invite more companies to contribute. So this is a graph for WordPress 5.6 of the contributors. Um, you can see one of the biggest bubbles on there is a company I always like to highlight and say the words, which is Yoast. Yoast is three times larger than a few others there, including some hosts like GoDaddy, WP Engine, even though it has one-fifth in the case of the WP Engine, and like one-eightieth in the case of the GoDaddy number of employees. So the impact the company has on the future of WordPress is not at all related to the size of the company. Uh, what I would love this graph to look like in the future, it's more like this. <laughs> There's no reason that if we really take to heart what's made us successful so far, that we can't get more companies participating in the commons of what's happening. Uh, so when a company benefits from WordPress, when they put something back into the core, whether that's through translations, community volunteering, or core code, as this particular graph is representing, um, it kind of ensures that there's something left in the future for WordPress to, to be there. Um, you can't run Wix or Squarespace on GoDaddy, as an example. Uh, so what I really feel has gotten us here is a spirit of we, what we call um, five for the future, which some of you all are familiar with, um, but I would like to expound a little bit for those who are maybe new to hearing about this or in other communities, because when we hear about things like, you might have seen this uh, security bug that's going around with a library called Log4j. Who's ever heard of Log4j before? Two, three people before Twitter recently. Um, but it's caused this uh, very real RCE, which stands for Remote Code Exploitation Vulnerability, in basically every major internet service in the world. <laughs> for trillions of dollars of market cap from Apple to Minecraft have been impacted by this. 
And uh, gosh, I wish I had a slide for this, but have you seen the uh, XCK, XKCD graphic? <laughs> uh, we'll tweet it out later, or maybe now. Uh, there's this fun comic, one of the coolest comics in the world, by the way, that shows like a very complicated structure, and this is like the global economy, and this one little thing holding it all up is an open source project maintained by three random people in Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of log for Jay. <laughs> Uh, fortunately, we don't have this problem in WordPress because we have tons of folks sponsored and we've been really key about Five for the Future. Um, but it turns out that the folks working on Log4J, there's like three people making, and the for person who fixed the bug said they got a sponsorship of $16,000 per year um, fixing these sorts of things. So how do we avoid this in WordPress? What have we done that's made it successful so far? And what do we need to? Uh, pay even more attention to in the future as more and more companies become commercially successful, as amazing businesses are top of built on top of the WordPress ecosystem, as web hosts get millions and millions of sites, customers paying millions of people paying hundreds of dollars per year running WordPress as their CMS. So what Five for the Future is, it says that basically the idea is whatever you get from WordPress, take 5% of that and try to put it back into the comments. Are you familiar with the concept of the tragedy of the commons? It's in an old economics paper from actually forever ago. So the example they used was sheep. <laughs> and the idea was if, if there were a lot of different shepherds, I guess, with sheep, and there was kind of a, a commonly owned area of grass in the countryside, it didn't really belong to anyone. If all of the shepherds had their sheep eat as much of the grass as possible, or as much as the sheep wanted, um, the grass would die. And this thing which belonged to the community, the commons, would deplete because of essentially overutilization by actors acting in their own self-interest short-term, but against the self-interest in the long-term. Uh, some of you might think this parallels to this in climate change or other things that are happening in humanity. Um, in the digital world, at least, I think it's possible to have an abundance of the commons. So the more people that use a program like WordPress, the better it gets in so many ways. More bugs get reported, more translations happening, more, uh, more plugins get developed, more themes get developed. And so the more people that use WordPress, WordPress doesn't get any worse for any of you. In fact, the more people that use it, the better it gets. But part of that is some percentage of the people who essentially directly benefit from WordPress uh, putting something back into the comments. Uh, Fertilizing the soil, <laughs> planting some more grass, however you want to think about it. Uh, have you ever seen the take a penny, leave a penny? <laughs> Little things. Do those still exist even? Do we still have pennies? I know they've been trying to get rid of them for a while. Funny story, actually. Uh, I used to participate in this macroeconomics competition because I was a really cool high schooler. <laughs> and I got to meet, at the time, the treasurer of the United States because we won the competition a few different levels. And um, I'm a high school kid, and uh, so and I apologize, the name is escaping me right now, but the treasurer of the United States, I was like, cool, you know, you're the treasurer, what's the thing you most want to do? And her answer was, get rid of the penny. <laughs> and I was amazed, so the treasurer of the United States, if you don't know, actually signs all the dollars, all the dollar bills, I mean, not literally, but if you, if you looked at a dollar in your pocket, you would see it was uh, a virtual signature, or a printed signature from whoever's the treasurer. But apparently pennies cost more to produce than they do to use. So it's kind of a funny thing that we still have pennies in the United States at least. Weird aside. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, commons, sheep, pennies. <laughs> Did y'all know where I was going with that? <laughs> it's been a while since I talked in front of people. <laughs> Um, five for the future is we launched this in I think 2014 where we first started talking about this but in reality it's been embedded in many of the companies including Yoast as an example in Automatic that contributed WordPress almost from the very beginning because we had this sense that what we were creating together um, wasn't something that happened for free or that would happen automatically it was a freedom that required the diligent effort of all the people that were putting in their free time and their you know, hard-earned uh, talents into this thing that we were creating together. And not unlike the Wikipedia, could become something that's far greater than the sum of its parts. Uh, WordPress cannot be written by one person or even one company. The quality, the robustness, everything of the software is a result of everyone who's contributed, contributed to it, not just in the most recent releases, which we highlighted some of those, but all the way going back to even the predecessor to WordPress, B2. Every line of code there um, represents a little bit of someone putting a penny in that take a penny, put a penny uh, jar. I have studied actually many platforms over the years, whether it's uh, open source platforms or successful uh, sort of desktop platforms like Windows, and there typically tends to be this 20 to 1 ratio, that if the ecosystem is benefiting kind of 20 times more than whatever is in the center of the ecosystem, uh, it works. At the point one, whatever's in the center of the ecosystem takes more than that, kind of all breaks down. As two recent examples, there used to be something called the Facebook platform. Uh, the Facebook platform mostly benefited Facebook. <laughs> And when a company got too big on top of it, often Facebook would change the rules or pull the rug out under, whether that's a company like Zynga or others that were benefiting from it. Um, if you go all the way back, does anyone remember the release of Windows 95? Yes. Oh, I'm impressed. <laughs> so for those who don't, I'll paint a picture. You know how people stand in line to get a new iPhone? They used to do that for a box of Windows. <laughs> which came in on a CD, <laughs> and you'd wait at like a Best Buy or something. And I think Rolling Stones recorded a song. The release of Windows 95 was basically like a world event that was covered by every single major media and everything. And in reading books written at the time and media, one of the funny things I found Microsoft saying was that for every dollar that Windows would make, $20 would be made in the Windows ecosystem. This ratio kept coming up over and over again and different platforms I studied. And so that's how we got to the five for the future. It's basically a one to 20 ratio, one to 19, depending on how you count it, of what is in the core versus what is happening in the community. The WordPress community is larger than ever. Uh, some estimates put it at over $10 billion per year. So how do we get to that 5% of things being put back into the core? The beautiful thing about five for the future is it can be unique. If you're an individual, that 5% put back into the core of a 40-hour work week is two hours a week. So two hours out of the 168 that you have in a week, put back into something with core, and we'll talk about some ways you can get involved and contribute. 
not only makes you part of defining the future of the web and the future of the open web for humanity, but gets you uh, contributing back to this thing that if you hope WordPress is still relevant, if I'm here with much grayer hair 10 or 20 years from now, given the state of the word, hopefully a suit still, <laughs> um, it's because we all put something back into it and we all work together beyond any individual or any single company coming together to create this thing we call WordPress. And the foundations of what we're doing today also set the stage for what's going on tomorrow. It's funny because actually, you know, WordPress is 18 years old. The idea of democratizing publishing is probably 17 years old. Came on pretty early in our lifetime. Now every single startup raising money talks about democratizing. They want to democratize ice cream, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but what this means to us is the software, the core thing that makes WordPress, again, belongs just as much to you as it does to me or any other developer of WordPress. It means you can use WordPress for any purpose. It means we strive to create it available in as many languages as possible, available to people regardless of economic activity, and available um, to people with assistive needs, as accessible as possible. Um, this has been the core of what we've been trying to do with WordPress. And particularly the people in this room, the invited community members, uh, I want to thank you all for being part of that. Every single one of you is a Five for the Future contributor, so thank you. And if you're streaming, you could be in this room in the future. <laughs> Contribute. <laughs> Uh, a big part of what we've been trying to do and reinventing WordPress has been through Gutenberg. Uh, software is hard to change, and the more successful software is, the harder it is to change because there's so many built-in workflows and everything. So everything that we've been doing with Gutenberg, you know, when I got on stage a few years ago to introduce it, I said, this is going to be a backwards compatibility break meaning that a plugin written for the old editor will probably need to be updated to work with Gutenberg. Um, WordPress was <clears throat> famous for its backwards compatibility. In fact, still to this day, a theme that was written for WordPress 1.2, which was the release that introduced themes in 2005, <laughs> will still work in WordPress 5.9 <laughs> coming up in January 2022. Uh, so we're really serious about backwards compatibility, but um, for Gutenberg, we said there's something new that's coming, which is going to be hashtag worth it. Hashtag state of the word. <laughs> uh, to remind you, we laid out a plan many years ago, which we're still following today, around the four phases of Gutenberg. Uh, just to remind everyone, 2018, we started the first phase of Gutenberg, which was uh, around easier editing. This was the introduction of the block editor and the idea that the block editor will be able to edit everything inside the post box. So we were thinking inside the post, inside the box with blocks. Uh, we're currently in the middle of phase two of Gutenberg, which we originally started in 2019, but it's all around customization. This is thinking outside of the post box. All the things I showed you earlier that allow you to edit your entire site using this concept of blocks is uh, happening now. And what's beautiful about this is one, all the plugins and things that used to have custom interfaces, which are now being built on the Gutenberg framework, uh, inherit all the work we put into accessibility, keyboard navigation, everything that's built in the Gutenberg, the clean code, et cetera. Um, also, when new users come to WordPress or new existing WordPress users are learning Gutenberg, they only have to learn things once. It used to be that the way to edit a widget 
or create something you know, using a short code in a post. There were like four or five ways to essentially do the same thing inside of WordPress. And we're now consolidating this all to this one block interface. This idea that the blocks are like Lego blocks and that they can be used anywhere. Uh, with 5.9, which is coming out next month, we are, I would say, at the MVP, the minimum viable product of this customization phase of Gutenberg. Uh, so I want to remind you of the next two phases that we're heading into. The third phase of Gutenberg is going to be around collaboration. Note, I listed this start at 2023, <laughs> not next year. It's because I think we don't want to leave phase two too early because there's still so much to do. Um, I'm forgetting the number, but how many block themes were there? It was like 38, 28? 28. That needs to be 5,000. <laughs> like we need to really invest a lot in creating patterns and themes that take advantage of all these blocks. It's the new standard thing. If you look at what block editor, block editor plugins have been doing in kind of a balkanized proprietary way, uh, we now have a standard way to do it within WordPress. And the more we can invest into that, the more that'll enable people to create really unique web presences. And then finally, which uh, we don't have a year attached to. <laughs> and in WordCamp Europe, I get a really hard time for is the idea of multilingual. So we want to take everything we just talked about and essentially allow you to publish sites in multiple languages with a workflow that makes sense. Um, because you know, the world is multilingual is basically the best way to put it. So if you were thinking about how to contribute, I would love for you all to uh, get involved and join the journey of Gutenberg by talking about or contributing patterns, block themes, styles, or if you're a musician or a photographer or a videographer, to take some of that work and put it into the openverse. Not the metaverse, the openverse. <laughs> which is basically this incredible commons we have of content which has the same freedoms, like the GPL, available for any of us to use, any of us to modify, remix, and refresh. We've got the very first version of the openverse now running on WordPress.org. I really, one thing I'm very excited about is actually building that into the WordPress admin so that when you upload a new image or video or anything like that, you'll be able to choose the Creative Commons license it. Um, maybe under an open license, like CC0, which would allow us to index it in the Openverse, uh, or maybe under a more restrictive license. That's okay. Whatever floats your boat. <laughs> it's cool. It's all about creators having the control and autonomy to choose to license their content however possible. And for those that choose to put it into the commons, that then becomes a part of what is shared in humanity and allows us to grow and create cool things together. And that kind of um, usage and remix economy. Uh, over time, I also want to build a full image directory into WordPress. And I think we missed it here, but wordpress.org slash photos. <laughs> uh, so if you want to learn more about Fire for the Future, go to wordpress.org slash five, F-I-V-E. And one thing we launched uh, also is the wordpress.org photo directory, which is an idea for a CC0, which means basically totally open imagery, which is available to be used on any sites for commercial and non-commercial uses. And we're going to be building that CC0 directory into WordPress core. So that means that regardless of what's in your media library, if you set up a, a site for someone new, um, they could you know, click on the media library, click open verse, and say search for puppies or coffee or whatever it is that they're looking for an image for, and then be able to insert that just with one click in their post. And we can do that really nicely. You saw some of the open verse attribution was still copy and paste. We're going to make that so that just happens when you insert the image. So by default, it'll have attribution for content creators. People could always remove it if they like, especially if it's a CC0 image. But I think it's kind of cool. 
have credit going to the photographers and people possible. So if this is something that you think would be interesting or that you have some cool content to contribute to, uh, check out the Openverse. There are so many ways to contribute. And like I talked about it, uh, it could be 40 hours uh, a week or four hours a month, you know? Anything helps. And you know, contributing money is great, but actually time is the most valuable thing in the WordPress ecosystem. It could be through design, code, contributing to the community or organizing meetups, uh, helping the learning. If you have any background in educational, uh, what's the word for that? Educational learning? Development, educational development, thank you. Um, that would be amazing for our learn.wordpress.org project. Training or documentation. Um, there's a number of ways to contribute solo or with groups. Um, companies have started to organize contributor days where the whole company might take like a Friday once a month and all get involved on the wordpress.org, make.wordpress.org, the Slack, everything. Everything that happens with WordPress happens in the open and any of you can be involved with pretty easily, which is kind of interesting, because then your code, your image, your something can show up in what uh, happens for 43% of the web. If you are listening to this live or in person, if you want to look at your phone right now, we're very curious how WordPress has helped grow your story. And so another hashtag from the State of the Word one, if you tag that with I love WP, this is actually the tag that we're creating the new testimonial page on WordPress from. So if there's something where WordPress or the WordPress community has an influence on you, I see Topher here, I want to call out an amazing site called HeroPress as well. Is it HeroPress.com? Yeah. HeroPress.com is an amazing site which chronicles and documents people's story. In fact, if you have an amazing story as well, tweet it out, but also talk to Topher later. It could be cool to get on there. And I think once a month we highlight those on the WordPress news blog. So, what a year. <laughs> Sorry, I'm out of breath. <laughs> um, I'm also really, really excited to announce that uh, just happened our first in-person WordCamp in several years. <laughs> WordCamp Seville, or if I'm feeling lucky, Sevilla, uh, was the first in-person WordCamp after 21 months of virtual WordCamps. So they got together 101 people, 17 speakers, and that was uh, all the reports I've heard back from it. That was very, very exciting. I'm so thrilled both to be talking to, talking to the folks who are here virtually, but also to hang out with the folks here in person afterwards, after we wrap this up. Um, but I'd love to see also more of the WordPress community. And so my one more thing for this presentation is that we've actually locked in the city for WordCamp US 2022. And God willing, we'll be in San Diego, California. <laughs> Dates and more to come, but roughly around September in San Diego, California. Uh, San Diego is good all parts of the year. <laughs> it's one of those magical cities. Uh, but particularly in San and September, it should be really, really nice. And I'm looking forward to seeing all the faces here again, but also everyone who's listening now or in the recording later. Uh, hopefully, we can start to get together again. It's funny because uh, WordPress itself has always been massively global. 
actually my company Automatic has always been really distributed from the very beginning. We're 1,800 people now, but really from the start, we were across many different cities. So when the pandemic started, everyone came <laughs> to me and to, to Automatic being like, how do you do it? How do you do it? And it was funny because they were asking how to work together in a distributed way, which we have some opinions on, we have some experience with in tools like P2, which is built on WordPress. And so we did our best to share as much of that as possible. But the secret sauce, I think of both Automatic and the broader WordPress community, has always been these times when we get together in person, these meetups, these work camps, these events like this. Uh, so uh, default offices default to being 95% in person and 5% you know, virtual, pre-pandemic. Uh, WordPress always did the opposite, where <laughs> we were like 95% virtual. Within 5% of the year, we'd get together in person. And uh, I'm excited to get back to that because the relationships, the learning, the everything that happens when we meet each other is so, so powerful. So, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
and providing a directory of them. So what people publish to their own websites is kind of the state of responsibility there, but it's kind of like a Google, but for Creative Commons licensed content. Um, that is separate from the wordpress.org slash photos directory that we've created, which is kind of like a, a Getty or an Unsplash or everything, but all CC0 licensed forever and ever, by the way. We're not going to change that on you like some other photo directories have. Um, uh, that goes through moderation. If you want to submit to something there, you'll see that right now uh, it says, hey, one of the checkboxes there, if it certifies, of course, one that you have rights to the photo. <laughs> Please don't upload other people's photos to it, only your own. Uh, but two, that it doesn't have any human faces or other copywritten material in the photo itself. Uh, so this first phase of uh, the photo directory really focused on things that can truly be CC0 all the way. Um, something we've all been learning is, that's a little complicated, is uh, with uh, humans <laughs> and like a picture of, let's say you had a picture of a piece of art. Um, that might have a copyright embedded. So even if the image is in CC0, it might, something in it might be copywritten. And so we're working on what is, what is an open source GPL CC0 model release? You know, what does that look like? And that is a very open <laughs> uh, set of lawyers working on things. But once we have it, I think that's actually really exciting. Um, maybe someone could license their likeness as well to be in the open verse. Maybe we generate something with GPT-3. <laughs> that replaces faces in it, and then that's the thing that's open. Um, or maybe someone even says, maybe while I'm alive, I don't want my likeness used, but maybe on my death, I bequeath my likeness to this open commons that belongs to humanity. There's lots of different ways this could work. Kind of is fun to think about and imagine, uh, but that's how that's working right now. Um, we'll probably, you know what makes sense is something that maybe shows the exif data you upload before it goes into the thing at least for a photo directory, so you're just aware of everything that's being put in there. Location is actually fantastic to have. Like if I have a picture of Stonehenge, the location where I took that picture is kind of awesome. Um, but other metadata, which could be in, contained in the EXIF, probably people should just be aware of, right? So we'll work on getting that added to the photo uploader. And by the way, awesome question. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Strong open. <laughs> to think about. Thank you. No problem. Did we cover everything you think is important there or anything yes. else? Okay, awesome. Matt. Bob, before you ask your question, can you share how you got here? <laughs> um, by train. Of Seattle. Uh, From Seattle? Yeah, Seattle. That's on the other side of the country, right? Yeah, that's for... on the other side of the country. <laughs> and spending about six days on the train, two days here. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it's been an adventure. So I've come all this way. <laughs> Give me some woo for 2022. Some woo? What? Woo. I oh, want to hear what WooCommerce is going to do in 2022 in your eyes. Sure. So woo, spelled W-O-O, for those who don't know, is a plugin for WordPress, uh, which uh, creates um, commerce functionality and WordPress. It's one of the 55,000 plugins that exist, but it is a very popular one, an important one, especially as we look at things like, you saw Shopify coming up on that usage graph. Uh, WooCommerce is an open source Shopify, and we hope that it can do to democratizing commerce what WordPress has done to democratize in publishing. In terms of what's coming for WooCommerce in 2022, 
Um, the thing I'm most excited about that's most relevant for this audience is, I would say, embracing Gutenberg and the block interfaces for everything with Woo. So right now, Woo still has some uh, ways of doing things which are more tied to the classic editor or short codes or other ways of creating like checkout blocks, products, everything like that. Uh, there are some plugins and experiments around uh, Gutenberg and blocks. And I think that I would love if Woo was one of the best plugins in the world for embracing how to use Gutenberg. And I think the team's been working really hard on that. <laughs> it is an amazing team. Um, that both includes a lot of community and a lot of folks sponsored by Automatic to work on that. And uh, I'd say that's what 2022, the thing that's most relevant for this audience that I'm excited about is more Gutenberg and Woo. Uh, we also have the, the, the CEO of WooCommerce here. Does that sound? Give me a thumbs up. That sounds good? All right. <laughs> sounds good. So more Gutenberg. That's kind of the answer to everything is more Gutenberg. It's, it's like um, cowbell. cowbell. You can always have more cowbell. You can always have more Gutenberg. Well, that was worth 6,000 miles. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> cool. All right, should we move to an online question? Or, oh, wait, we got one in person, and then next let's do an online one just to make sure we have everything from those folks. Sweet. Um, so, my question is about styles. Um, I think, mm. you know, the theme styles and, or variants, I think they were called initially, is a very innovative idea that lets people paint their sites. Uh, and, and it's great for developers, designers, and everyday users. Um, so, I understand that. I think, um, what could be interesting, and I wonder if you've thought about this, is perhaps there's a style directory, like we have a pattern mm -hmm. directory. Is that something we're in the thought of? I know there's a couple other concerns. You know, we'd have to have yeah. a standardized way that themes are being made, which we're moving towards already. So uh, I don't know. I think that's an interesting way to empower people to also give back to the directory or into WordPress, just like patterns. Like if you can save a pattern, yeah. can you save a style? And then anybody can use that style. Is that something on the docket? I'm, I'm going to fast forward a little bit here into basically science fiction. <laughs> but if you could imagine us getting a really great repository of truly like CC0, Creative Commons zero license stuff um, around images, fonts, et cetera, um, that opens up a lot of possibilities for creating essentially GPL compatible styles like you talk about. Um, if you've ever watched or helped a friend set up WordPress or watched a user test or something, one of the most heartbreaking things is when someone chooses a theme based on the image in the demo. <laughs> and I, I learned this myself. So on one of the previous themes, is like 2010 or 2011, there wasn't a lot of open source licensed imagery in the world. And so I just took all my photos and GPL licensed them. <laughs> and so one of these old themes, I think it's 2010, there's a picture from Ireland of some sheep on a road. <laughs> And we would literally do user tests where people are like, I like the sheep, so I chose this theme. <laughs> and it's like, yes, I like the sheep too, but you could put any image in the world there. <laughs> it doesn't just have to be a sheep theme. It's really, a, it's a, yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Um, styles right now are tied to themes, yeah. and it's tied to theme JSON. And so I think theme JSON is, um, Theme.json, which I, I call JSON. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that's how I call it. Uh, it's the number one thing. If you're a theme developer or interested in developing themes, look up that, learn as much about a theme JSON as possible. So right now, it's, it's specific to the theme, 
Um, but over time, particularly for things like typography, which is a passion of mine, my, actually my very first open source code I ever created, which was a contribution to B2, the predecessor to WordPress, uh, was Texturize, which was, I had learned a ton about typography and I wanted uh, all posts to have proper typography. So instead of a, a prime mark in between, like a word like that's, between the that and the s, I wanted it to be a proper curly quote. And so this first code I ever contributed to open source was Texturize, I'm very passionate about this. I would love for people to be able to see the incredible transformations that can happen to a site through updating the typography, and particularly pairings of type, where you ha might have like a really awesome serif paired with a really awesome sans serif for the body text or something like that. And I think how themes evolve a little bit. Actually, I'm not sure entirely how themes evolve, but <laughs> to be honest, but it's pretty exciting that the theme can almost be a little bit like, um, honestly, it reminds me of jazz. Um, I, I grew up playing jazz. That's why we name every WordPress release after a jazz musician. Um, jazz are often based on something called standards. So like a good chunk of all popular jazz songs are built on rhythm changes, which is a set of chord changes actually from, I think, a musical song called I Got Rhythm. I got rhythm, I got music. Really cool chord changes there, really awesome bridge. And you can, people have written lots of other songs on top of that. Uh, what's cool is the chord changes, I think I'm, I'm a little outside of my realm of expertise here, but the chord changes themselves are essentially open source, meaning anyone can use those chord changes. Now the melody you talk right on top of it might be proprietary, might belong to a specific thing, but that kind of underlying structure is open. And so I think themes become that kind of underlying structure. And then what people take on top of it, it's the chord changes. And then what people create on top of it could be as varied and unique as all the things written, people have written on top of the rhythm changes, as they're called in jazz, um, which is incredible. Thousands of songs, countless millions of like, performances and solos. So that's my hope for what happens with themes. And uh, hopefully we can get more, like we don't have a ton of CC0 license fonts yet. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we can develop more and more of that content in the openverse slash metaverse <laughs> that is available to all WordPress users. And the cool thing about openverse as well is the API is totally open. So that's available to Drupal users, Joomla users, everyone else, Wix users, Squarespace users, anyone who wants to access this content. Um, it is something the WordPress community is creating for benefit to the world. So uh, if you contribute to that, you're essentially contributing to humanity's repository of cool open stuff that's available for anyone to use in any way. So um, I'm very excited about what the future of Openverse will be. We have the very first, we basically just got the code ported over and the search engine ported over and not even the audio yet that's coming in January. And uh, I could not believe more in the mission of that. So sweet. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. And you can line up behind her if you also have a question. <laughs> but come on in. What's your name, by the way? Allie. Hi, Allie. Hi, Matt. Um, so I create a lot of content around WordPress for the people who are looking at WordPress in front of them for the first time, looking to you know, build something with it, having never used it before. 
Um, and I think a lot about the young people who are looking at WordPress as a, as a path to something, as a path to improving their life or, or brightening their future, mm. whatever that might be. And I know that we have on the live stream right now a lot of young people watching and Mom. listening and, and being inspired by this. What advice would you have to those young people who are looking to, to um, inherit this world that we're leaving them? And, and what advice can you give them as far as using WordPress mm. as a tool to improve what we're leaving them? Mm. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cool one. In my life, one of the most influential things I ever realized was that everything I was using, every piece of technology, every piece of furniture, every chair, everything, was created by someone mm. who wasn't that much different from me or people I knew. And so there's crafts that can be developed when you focus on an area. And in fact, with the internet, there's more and more of this through YouTube, Wikipedia, <laughs> online blogs, etc. There's so much you can learn about pretty much any area that you're passionate about. And I think for me, and it might be Steve Jobs or someone else who talks about this, but just this idea that the things that I use and love were created people by people not that much different from me was really powerful. And that's part of what got me contributing to open source in the beginning when I was, again, I got started on the forums of B2. <laughs> so B2 was the predecessor to WordPress. Um, it had some forums probably run by like PHPBB or something. And I just, start, I, first I was asking questions and then later I saw questions I had already asked being asked by other people and I started answering them. I didn't know anything. <laughs> I couldn't, I cannot overemphasize how ignorant I was <laughs> um, as a 17, 18, 19 year old kid in Houston, Texas who had no formal training, no university courses, et cetera. So I think what's exciting about the digital economy is that in this open verse that we're trying to create together, um, it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from or anything like that. It matters what you contribute. And learning to contribute has never been more accessible and more open source, more open. Um, the other advice I'd give is that um, when you're younger, you have a lot more time than you realize. <laughs> and so try to invest that time, if there's anyone young listening to this, um, in what your passion is. You know, if you feel drawn to a particular area, um, I was actually shocked, both in my own experience and in seeing many other successful folks since then, and how the, being a world expert in XYZ, whatever XYZ is, um, is maybe 100 hours of work <laughs> in some areas, maybe 200 hours of work. But when you're young, you have a lot more hours than folks who uh, maybe are providing for the family or full-time jobs or other things. So really embrace that opportunity of both school, education, literature available to you, et cetera, to try to consume and, and absorb as much of it as possible. Um, I feel so much. Uh, my, one of my only regrets as a 
almost 38-year-old, <laughs> is uh, that I, I didn't pay as much attention when I was in school. <laughs> and I went to all public schools in Houston, but I had some amazing teachers, like it, the text I was given, the literature, et cetera, like um, was free or inexpensive and was really passion from these teachers of some of the best things that humanity has created so far. So check that out. And the code equivalent of that is WordPress in a lot of ways, meaning that, again, you can um, think of the other largest internet services in the world, Amazon, Microsoft, Facebook, et cetera. You can't go and look at how they work. <laughs> you can't suggest a change to <laughs> how the Google homepage works or the Facebook algorithm or anything like that. Those are all proprietary. With things like Wikipedia and WordPress, it's all open source which means that you could suggest a change of the WP admin homepage, <laughs> which hundreds of thousands, millions of people see and impacts a lot of folks. Um, so open source for me was a, a huge enabler. Again, not growing up in the Bay Area or other traditional, like Seattle or other traditional like centers of technology um, was really exciting for me. So. Hmm, I'll start with that. <laughs> Hopefully that gives folks, and maybe younger folks, like something to start with. And I saw Josefa raise her hand, so maybe you have something to add there. I do, I also have an additional thing. Can so. I introduce you really quick? Of course. So Josefa is the lead of WordPress.org. Yeah. So she... <laughs> she is all the... Th Cool things we talked about around like the directories, et cetera. Uh, Joseph is in charge of that. So she really leads the community, development of WordPress.org, everything around that. So thank you, Josepha. And now? <laughs> and now this. So um, I think also one of the most important things, where am I looking? I'm going to look at you, Matt. Um, I think also one really important thing to remember for people who are getting started with WordPress for the first time is that the open source nature of it does mean that we also have really active and passive ways to learn some hmm. of the most vital 21st century skills that the workforce of the future will need. We need it now, but not all of us actually are any good at it in the world. WordPressers are generally really, really good at it, and there's a reason for it. It's because we do it every day. And so, like, that in the immediate, in my immediate advice that I can give to people, that is the number one thing, is like observe the way that this works because it's going to be relevant from here until they're done wanting to work. So, hmm. yeah. Anything else in the audience? Because we have an unusual audience here. Here we go. Do you mind introducing yourself really quickly? Yeah, I'm Michelle Frechette. And I'm with uh, Stellar WP, but I also do a whole bunch of other stuff in the community, which is fun. So <laughs> my question is actually off of those two um, responses as well, is we have a ton of education out there, right? So whether it's through learn.wordpress, whether it's people on YouTube, all this opportunities to learn about it. What are we doing to bring the next generation in hmm. to help continue to grow? I'm watching the age of people I see at WordPress continue to grow, but not a ton of people coming in with us, right? Uh, I don't know. I'm looking around. This is a very youthful group. <laughs> well, I'm one of the older here. I admit that. But, <laughs> but what are we doing to bring... I mean, I tweeted uh, last week, uh, Olivia Bissett, she's in middle school, mm -hmm. had a hackathon. I think I tagged you in my tweet. Mm -hmm. And she herself, with her sister, put on a huge hackathon of all middle schoolers. But that's hmm. unusual. So what are we doing to make sure that the next generation of kids 
is going to want to contribute the way that the people in this room do. You stole my answer, because I was going to talk about David and Olivia Bissett. <laughs> um, David Bissett, one of the most prolific tweeters about WordPress. Hi, David. <laughs> I will post a lot of gifts from this talk. Um, Olivia is his daughter. And uh, already started to be really active in the WordPress community. Um, I would put that back to everyone in this room and everyone listening here as well. Um, you know, the old adage, like, you teach a person to fish, or you teach a person, you give a person a fish, you feed them for a day, you teach a person to fish, you feed them for their lifetimes. Um, I think you just give a person a blog, or even worse, a social media account, <laughs> you feed them for a day. You teach them how to create the web, which is, in many ways, in my opinion, the most amazing actualization of shared humanity and knowledge. Like how do we create something that lasts beyond our own individual lifetimes? It's the web. How do we create something that lasts beyond us, a legacy, a true legacy? It's adding to the information that's part of what hopefully goes forward for future generations and then becomes, allows us to sort of fast, skip all the mistakes, skip all the learnings um, to what's latest. It's upgrading the clock speed and version of humanity. Um, so for anyone who's listening, uh, mentoring and guiding someone younger than yourself into participating in the WordPress community is, uh, you, you get like a, what is it, um, a mitzvah? <laughs> you, get, you get like an extra special bonus um, and, and sort of like, the history of open source in the world if you bring someone new into it. So I'd highly encourage you. And there's so many, if you look at some of the biggest contributors to WordPress over the, over the years, uh, Orion Bourne or Nason, et cetera, part of their legacy uh, beyond just all the code they wrote is all the people they brought in. And the folks who felt like, you know, they knew a lot but they weren't able to contribute or something and they said no, you got it. <laughs> you can be a core committer. You can be someone who patches a core bug. You could be someone who translates into WordPress into an entirely new language or preserves a language for posterity. Like there's so much you can do using WordPress as the launch pad for contributing something positive to humanity. And so that is, I think, a, a real key. Um, so I, I don't know. What is perfect for the young people? Because <laughs> I'm not one of them anymore. I was when WordPress started. Um, but to the extent you have anyone in your lives, both here in the audience or broader in the folks watching this, um, that has that desire to have an impact, um, teaching them how to be involved with open source and whether that's WordPress or some other open source project, I think is the best way to contribute to the, the future of humanity. So, thank you. What's that? More kids camps. More kids camps. Yeah, we do have some kid camps. So very specifically, we have kids camps at places like uh, where camp was it Orlando? Miami. Miami, Miami. Miami. Yeah, which David Bissett helped organize. So <laughs> um, let's all be more like David. <laughs> if you have kids, why aren't they contributing? Like, uh, <laughs> no, I wouldn't put that on anyone because I know kids do the opposite of what you ask them. So like. <laughs> 
tell them don't contribute to WordPress, <laughs> and then maybe they will. No, take your kids to WordPress Day. <laughs> take your kids to WordPress Day. Actually, it's an awesome idea. We'll talk later. Oh, okay, we'll talk later. <laughs> cool. Should we do one from online? Yes. Uh, this is a question from... I've lost the name, but it was essentially, there was a couple of references to the metaverse and I think like sort of a joking way, but um, thoughts <laughs> on WordPress in virtual reality. WordPress in virtual reality. Let's pass the mic really quick. You want to say something? Hey, hey, no, we got one. We got one. Here, here you go. Again, the intelligence in this audience is far greater than what I have, so I want to push this back as much as possible. I just wanted to say WordCamp Boston did do that, if not earlier this year, it was last year. They had a virtual reality WordCamp. Oh, cool. And it was last year. Thank you. Just, yeah. Um, that's a tricky one. I, I don't know how to answer that, to be totally honest, because like, the internet is virtual reality. <laughs> it's just kind of text-based. And then when you think of other ways of interfacing with virtual reality, like VR headsets or AR, et cetera, um, one good thing, WordPress, WordPress is great at dealing with content. So it's, don't build on top of WordPress if you're building like a messaging system or a real-time game or something like that. But if you're making something that like essentially is people inputting content and outputting that to the world, you should probably be building it on WordPress, <laughs> whether it's real estate, records, almost anything. If it's content going in and out, that should be on WordPress. Um, when companies, nameless, should talk about this idea of a metaverse, uh, they often talk about the interoperability, this idea that contents or items that you create in one Metaverse is available in all of them. If I imagine my most sci-fi thoughts of the future, um, science fiction, uh, I, it's hard for me to imagine that if humanity interacts more and more in a virtual space, that'll be controlled by one company. I really think it'll look more like the web, like a place where people can register domains. We actually had a joke in here I forgot to tell, so you get it now. <laughs> what if there were something like a DAO, a distributed autonomous organization that, ma that managed a namespace which you could pay to own a part of, and in fact there's no gas fees for that owning part of it. The fees are borne by the merchant. That would essentially be buying a domain with a credit card or an any registrar. <laughs> um, so we have things already that any person listening to this can have true ownership of, like a domain that's their like, home on the internet. Internet is the best metaverse we've created so far, and part of that's because of the interoperability and the open standards that these things are built on. Patent-free standards as well, which I'll emphasize. Um, so, the, to the extent that things will be, I don't know exactly what it'll look like, nothing I've seen so far is that compelling, but to the extent that there are fun content-driven things that are going to be part of the next generations of the web, Web 3, Web 4, Web 5, Web 10, I expect WordPress will be at the center of it. 
Me? We've got an in-person question. Okay. Please introduce yourself. Uh, yeah, hi, my name is Bud Krause. We've never had the pleasure to meet, but I've heard you speak at several of these. Thank you. And uh, welcome to New York. <laughs> so I, all I want to know is uh, this is a brand new space. Sorry that for the people who aren't here, but this is a brand new space. What are you going to be doing here? And can we use it too, the people that live in this area? <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so for those who are watching online, we're in this cool space in the NoHo, which means north of Houston, which is a New York incorrect way to pronounce Houston. <laughs> which is the city where I'm from, um, neighborhood. And it's a cool neighborhood, it's near a lot of public transit, and it's a cool space. Um, a company I'm involved in, CEO of Automatic, uh, when we purchased a company called Tumblr, um, got the space. And so we have this until 2025. Uh, not coincidentally, a lot more of the people working on Tumblr and everything we do have gone more distributed. So there's not many people in this particular space as there used to be. Um, but we try to create this in a way that much like tonight could be a place that people use for events and other community things. So if you're interested in doing that for something particularly open source driven within the community, uh, we're happy to open up this space for anything in the future. And a cool kind of aside is that all the art in this space, including what's behind me, is from uh, people on Tumblr. And so these are all publishers on Tumblr, so all the art that'll be in the space. And eventually, right now we have this wall covered. We're gonna cover every single wall here. So we have many thousands of square feet to cover still. It's all gonna be people who publish on WordPress and Tumblr. And in the future, Tumblr will be powered by WordPress. So that'll happen. <laughs> so it'll all be the same thing. So it's kinda cool that it'll all be artists that use open source publishing to put their content into the Openverse. All right. Hi, Matt. Uh, my name is Anil, and I have a curiosity question. Um, you mentioned about Gutenberg Phase 3, uh, which will be collaboration. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, uh, what can we expect uh, at that phase of Gutenberg under that's a, collaboration? That's a good question, because I talked twice as long as last year, but maybe missed that particular point. <laughs> so the collaboration phase, um, collaboration, sorry, phase three of Gutenberg um, is, imagine Google Docs is probably the best analogy. You know how when you're in a Google Doc, when you, someone else is editing at the same time, you see exactly what they're doing, what they're changing. So imagine every single thing in WordPress updating in real time as other people edit it. So there's no more version conflicts or anything like that. Literally, WordPress represents the kind of real-time source of truth for whatever the content, whether it's, again, post, pages or other is in real time. And then there's both a real-time awareness and workflows around editing that. And so the real-time awareness is kind of the easy part, actually. It's that part where when someone else is editing at the same time and you're editing it, you see what's happening. So there's no conflicts. The workflow is a little tri trickier. And that's what I'm actually more excited about working on, where workflow is a word we use for um, someone edits it, someone approves it, someone like, there's different stages of different forms of content, which is also very relevant for translation. 
Um, someone writes their content, let's say in English, and then maybe it gets translated into another language. Uh, I realized this personally to share another weird story like the economics thing. <laughs> Um, on WordPress.com, we use GlotPress and allowed anyone to translate any string on WordPress.com. And for a while, on every, I forget what language it was, but let's just call it Italian. Instead of saying leave a comment on every Italian blog hosted on WordPress.com, it said happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so someone obviously was like trolling us and said like instead of leave a comment, it'll say happy birthday. So that was actually pretty funny. Whoever did that. I'll buy you a beer. <laughs> uh, but um, ideally, there would have been a workflow or someone else who speaks Italian <laughs> would have said, this says happy birthday. How do you even say that in Italian? Does anyone know? Uh, I know if say, say Feliz Navidad. How do you say like happy birthday and that's Merry Christmas? What is the happy birthday? Go What's that? I'm guessing Buon Natale. Buon Natale? OK, OK. Uh, we'll go there. Uh, someone would have seen that and said, that doesn't mean leave a comment. <laughs> and we shouldn't put this on the homepage of every single Italian WordPress in the world. Um, so that workflow, I think, is key to phase four of Gutenberg, which is why it's part of phase three. So collaboration is the fun part, which will be easy and hard to do at the same time, which is that kind of real-time co-editing. And there's some cool new standards in browsers that allow us to do this in a decentralized way, which I'm really excited about, using essentially features built into Chrome and others that allow us to like, connect multiple people editing a, a page or post at the same time using just the browser and open source technology. But uh, the more like approval, et cetera, is a little bit more of the later phase three. So 2023, we'll work on that. For now, contribute to Openverse, block patterns, blocks, and block themes. That is the key for 2022. Again, if I get on stage next year and say there's 30, we've gone to 40 block themes, utter failure. <laughs> Please throw fruit at me or something else. <laughs> um, I hope that we have 300 or ideally 3,000 of these block-enabled themes, and that both that's updating existing themes and creating new ones, allow people to express their creativity online through the Gutenberg editor. Again, right now, if you look what social networks do, they try to really narrow you into as a very limited expression of creativity. Why? Because they want to serve ads against your profile and what you're creating. They want to target you. That's not what we're trying to do with WordPress. <laughs> so we want you to create the most unique, cool stuff online as possible. And blocks enable people to do that. And I'm looking forward to more and more of it. Does that answer the question? Yes, thank you. Cool, thank you. <laughs> so someone stand up over here. Was that? That was just a journey. Oh, OK. You have preempted so many of the questions that were submitted. Oh. <laughs> we're, we're getting you one, though. <laughs> so, somewhat related to the, uh, what you were just speaking to, the question is, so soon we'll have blocks that allow you to drag everything everywhere. We'll soon have a ton of free images, patterns, et cetera. How are we going to make all of that easy to understand and use for users? Mm. Hmm. Yeah, that's our problem. <laughs> 
So this is what it's going to be, I think, the focus of core WordPress iterations over 5.9, 6.0, 6.1, and beyond is, um, I'll, I'll say it in an abstract sense, which is things like user tests. And we do run these, and we publish them on our make WordPress.blogs, which is where we'll ask someone who's never used WordPress before, please try it out. And this is something proprietary software companies do all the time, but in WordPress, we actually publish these. And so you can see them, you can learn from them, and you can see what someone who's never used WordPress before has trouble with using and not using. Things that might be very, very intuitive to people in this room, because we've been using WordPress for five or 10 years, might be very challenging to someone entirely new to concepts or the abstractions that we use. Um, the other example, which I hope everyone listening to this does, because if you're listening to this, you're like a WordPress OG, is helping a friend use WordPress, right? <laughs> I hear a laugh in the front row. It's like that whole thing, like friends don't let friends publish on Wix. Like you say, take someone who's building a website and you say, all right, I'm gonna help you uh, set this up. And while you're doing that, you're probably gonna learn a lot of things that are tough in WordPress. <laughs> and hopefully, that helps you then contribute a bug or an improvement or something into the core software that makes it easier for everyone else to use. By the way, to the extent WordPress, again, that's what's amazing about it to me, is when you look at that 10 times larger than the second in the marketplace, by the way, Shopify is a company valued at like $140 billion. How do we do that? How do we be 10 times larger than that? It's just, People helping other people. <laughs> I can't, it's, can't put it more simply than that. It's how WordPress has had basically no marketing dollars through its whole history. It's friends telling friends, like, hey, you want a website? Let me help you set it up. And then when they have trouble <laughs> coming back to a cool WordPress make site or something else and saying, hey, my friend had trouble with XYZ. Can, I think if we move this around or change this widget or made this button more prominent or something like that, that it would be more intuitive for folks. And the, the beauty of a project like WordPress, and there's a few other open source projects which are similar, is we can simultaneously become more intuitive for new users at the same time that we become more powerful for power users. Uh, that's not easy. I think it can only happen in the digital realm like a, an SLR camera with like 80 buttons can also become simultaneously easier for like people just taking their first photo. But in the digital world, we can do that. And that's actually really, really exciting. So that's part of what excites me about WordPress and I hope is a part of what people contribute in the future. Another from the uh, offsite Questions, let's see. Um, this is from Sarah Gooding. What can WordPress do to protect small publishers from the threat of big tech companies' greed and hostility to the open web? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> um, big tech companies, what was it, hostility to the open web? Greed and hostility to the open web. Oh my goodness, we're dealing with one of the seven deadly sins. Um, first, I'll say that there's some giant tech companies whose greed and hostility is somewhat aligned with the open web, meaning that a Google who is indexing the web 
is uh, probably more aligned with the mission of WordPress than a Facebook which is trying to create an alternative to the open web or other companies, fill in the blank there. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, the number one thing I think we can do is create an alternative. So it's easy to forget that someone starting a WordPress might not want the thing they wake up in the morning and think about is not like, I want to make more open source software in the world. <laughs> they might be thinking, hey, I want more customers in my restaurant. Or I want more visitors to my salon. Or I want more readers of my novel I'm working on. Like whatever it might be. And the beauty of WordPress is there's so many things you can do on top of it. Is that WordPress is a means to an end. This is our strength and our weakness um, on third-party measuring services like a, a Quantcast or a Nielsen or something like that, like a Facebook.com or Google.com shows up as one domain. And WordPress is in many ways like the dark matter of the web and that it's the thing that comprises the majority of the universe but doesn't show up on one domain by definition. It's across millions, tens, hundreds of millions of different domains and represents each person on the domain owning a piece of the web. It belongs to them. Literally domains, I'm not, I'm gonna pitch domains here. <laughs> domains are like the most web three thing you could create. <laughs> like it really belongs to you far more than almost anything else. Um, so I think what we can do is, well, I'll tell you the biggest thing I've learned, which goes a little back to your question on what is a thing to talk about to the youth or people that are creating things. Um, early on, I was like a slash dot reading zealot. Meaning like I was like, ah, oh, Microsoft and Bill Gates are evil. I had a very like black and white view of the world where I saw uh, open source is good and anything proprietary is bad. And it was uh, binary. As you mature, you learn that things are not binary. It's grayscale. It's duotone. <laughs> and there's um, things that are both simultaneously good and bad, and things that are exist on the spectrum. And over time, I've chosen to devote more of my life to things that I feel like are on the side of the spectrum that I want future generations, if I ever have children or grandchildren, them to experience at the web. Um, but that the everything exists on the spectrum. Um, I would say that for pure philosophy does not win. Meaning that for folks maybe like here in the room or some of the folks watching live stream, the idea of owning your content, owning the software that powers it and everything like that is very compelling. That's probably compelling for like one or two percent of humanity. <laughs> <laughs> We're at the very end of the bell curve of like folks who care about those things. For the rest, if we want a majority of the web, hopefully, I hope a majority or even like 85 or 90% of the web be powered by open source, for them we need to create the best user experience. Meaning it needs to be the easiest, it needs to be the most intuitive, and it needs to be the thing that gets them towards their goals the fastest. For many people that means WordPress will be invisible and that's okay. We don't need people to even know what WordPress is. If they're using WordPress, 
open source, open API, open data, everything to get to where they're going, that is infinitely better than using proprietary software to get from A to B. So we need to create as many use cases, as many uh, work on usability as much as possible to create that. So that is my learning and something I hope we can all work together to create because um, even if someone doesn't realize they're using open source and making the web more open, if by creating the website, creating their restaurant, creating their online service, selling something online, they are doing so in a way that makes the web even just a smidgen more open, that's cool. That's good for humanity. That's the part I want future generations to grow up in. So, thank you. <laughs> okay, we got two minutes. Two questions, okay. Well, how I taught, that could take 20 minutes. <laughs> okay, we're down to 10 minutes, and so I'm giving you five for each. Okay, five minutes for each question, apparently. So. Will you introduce yourself as we go? Hi, Matt. Uh, my name is Aaron Jorben. Um, I probably came the shortest distance because I live like three blocks away. <laughs> um, a couple of times tonight, you've talked about the GPL, the importance of the GPL, mm -hmm. uh, the importance of the four freedoms of the GPL. Over the last year, there's been an effort to dual license the Gutenberg repository mm. um, and thus allow people to use the WordPress code in ways that would not confer those four freedoms onto future users of WordPress. Mm. I'm wondering how that lines up with your ideas of the four freedoms and why I, as a contributor to WordPress, should support my code being relicensed to remove the four freedoms from future users? That's such a good question. So thank you, Aaron, for asking that. And also thank you for being someone else who makes me not the only person in the room with a suit. <laughs> <laughs> and Aaron looks great, so thank you very much for that. Hopefully we get that on camera. Um, so, this is interesting. So the GPL was created in the 80s and 90s and had no concept of essentially delivery over the web. So the GPL says that if you share something, distribute it, which was historically means distributed the source code over like floppy disk or CDs or things like that, you must confer the same freedoms. Um, but it didn't count if you were just running a website which is good and bad. Um, it's good in that like your password file on your WordPress site is not GPL, <laughs> right? You don't need to share that to the world. Uh, there are licenses like the Afero GPL and others that say like you need to share everything, but it also creates a loophole. So technically like WordPress.com doesn't need to share any of its code back to the world. It does, those folks work really hard on putting improvements back into WordPress, but they're not required to because delivery and distribution through SaaS services does not confer the distribution which GPL was intended with. Um, in practice, we do it, but in letter of law, it's not required. Um, mobile apps are a whole new world. And again, there is the ideal thing and there's the pragmatic thing. Prag Ideally, I would love to use a mobile device which had firmware, hardware, and everything involved with it that was fully open source. 
pragmatically, I need to use an Android or iOS device, probably from Apple or Samsung, <laughs> that works, <laughs> that has good battery life, that everything like that. Um, so I've always thought of myself as a pragmatic open source evangelist. Um, Gutenberg, now how do we bring this to Gutenberg? So Gutenberg is trying to create a pan CMS or pan creation standard for things like blocks. We think, or I think, that in Gutenberg, if we can create a standard interface for things like adding an image or the basic things that you do within a block interface, that is good for the web and humanity. So part of that is that I would really like to see even proprietary systems adopt Gutenberg blocks. I think that would be a win. You know, I've made fun of some systems like Wix and Squarespace or MailChimp or others. I think they, I would love, I would be thrilled if they all use Gutenberg. And Gutenberg is licensed under a way that if you use it, you don't have to make the rest of your software also open source. So the way the GPL is, is it's what's called a viral license. <laughs> so if you use part of it, everything else that links it also has to be open source, which I like for WordPress. I like for everything I do. But I also recognize that maybe in, let's say, a mobile app, I might want to have an open source based editor that uses the standards and code of Gutenberg, but the rest of the app might not be open source. Maybe it's the MailChimp app. Let's use MailChimp as an example. I don't have any relation to MailChimp, so I can stop and talk about that. <laughs> uh, MailChimp's awesome, very successful, just sold it into it for like a $10 billion or whatever. If you look at what they're doing with their newsletter creator, it's blocks. If you look at what they're doing, and, like, and they don't actually have a great mobile app yet, so it'd be cool. So when we took our mobile apps, which means developing Gutenberg three times, we have to develop it for the web, iOS, and Android, which is a lot of work. Um, we are relicensing the mobile versions of Gutenberg as MIT which means that they can be embedded in mobile apps which are not also open source. Um, this gets into another weird thing, which is all mobile apps are mediated by app stores. I don't love that, for the record, <laughs> but it's the reality. You're either going through Google or Apple to distribute on an app store to the majority of humans in the world. And you have to, when you distribute your app, you kind of have to, agree, you don't kind of, you have to agree to their terms of services and licenses, which are sort of compatible with open source. Actually, WordPress has been a pioneer there. Um, Apple originally did not allow GPL applications to be distributed on the Apple Store, and WordPress fought for that. And we won it, essentially. And in fact, Apple's used WordPress code in demos, so we kind of got the unofficial blessing that like <laughs> our GPO app was okay to be on the Apple Store, but like that's still a process which we fight and we go for. Most famously, was it last year that it happened with the? Either last year or earlier this year, it all blends together. It all blends together. I don't know. Like post COVID, everything's a real mix, but um, the Apple issued an incredibly rare apology which Apple never does. 
where they had sort of told the WordPress open source app they needed to do something that seemed a little outside of the requirements and the license, and they, someone higher up realized that and walked it back. So not often that happens with a $2 trillion company, but it happened with WordPress and Apple, and that was exciting. So we will continue fighting wherever we can for getting these app stores to open up a little bit. We will also be pragmatic in that, in reality, everyone who has an Apple or iOS device, we need to go through the app stores to reach them. So, and I think it's actually a flaw of, if we think of why Drupal or Joomla hasn't done as well, I think they need apps. And I would encourage those communities to create great apps because they need them. Um, why we're expanding the license of, of Gutenberg in particular to be both GPL and MIT is that I would like WordPress block or Gutenberg blocks to become standards that are larger than just WordPress. And um, there is a Drupal version of Gutenberg, et cetera, but I think part of that is that if blocks can become standards across every proprietary system, I make fun of Wix. I think it's fair, they've earned it. But if they adopted Gutenberg, I would toast them and uh, take them out to beers. <laughs> I think that would be awesome. Um, Gutenberg is something even bigger than WordPress, which is basically saying, how do we edit and create the web? And can we get as many people, both proprietary and open source, collaborating that as possible? So that is the bet we've made. Maybe it's correct, maybe it's incorrect. I hope that you as a contributor still are excited about being part of Gutenberg, even though it's Gutenberg M and MIT, which are both open source licenses, but MIT, of course, allows proprietary licensing. I understand that. Um, the majority of open source software in the world is, well, I think majority is GPL, but there's a big chunk that's uh, non-GPL. Uh, I think what we're doing, folks in this room, you and I, are creating more of that open source stuff. If proprietary people use it along the way to create more open source, I think that's great and okay. Thank you. And thank you for wearing a suit, and thank you for coming tonight. <laughs> Someone asked me earlier why I wear a suit, and it's actually uh, one of my favorite uh, folks is Frank Sinatra. And he talked about, uh, someone asked why they wore a tux every night to perform. And he said to the other band members, he said, well, if we were performing for the king or queen, what would we wear? We'd dress up, we'd wear a tux to perform for them. And uh, he said, well, every single night that this band performs, there might be someone in the audience who saved up two months to be there, or a waitress, or someone like that who really worked to be there. And so, guess what? We're gonna dress up for them and perform for them like they are the king or queen of England, royalty. Every person in the audience is royalty. So that's why I wear a suit every year, if you're wondering. <laughs> this is like the only suit I wear during the year. But I wear it because I consider every member of the WordPress community to be royalty. And we dress up for y'all. So thank you. <laughs>
has made it on your radar and if it's something of interest to you. Tell me more about internet art. How well, do you define internet it? Internet art is browser art or web-based art, but it's art that uses the internet as a medium. So it works with WordPress hmm. because WordPress is that paintbrush. Hmm. I will also call out that you have an amazing Ize Miyake purse, who's one of my favorite designers of all time. So uh, thank you for bringing that to the, the microphone as well. Um, what do you think about the open verse in internet art? Like this idea that people could maybe even contribute internet oh, art love, to the open verse. I love the idea of, of making publicly accessible images more accessible. I love that idea. Yeah. This is, it's an interesting tension, right? Because uh, artists create things and they want to earn a living from the things they create. And people create things and want to contribute it to the commons of humanity. That becomes part of what we remix, part of what we build on, part of the foundation of what creates the next generations, the next versions of what happens. And in copyright law, which I would say is popularly epitomized in essentially United States copyright law, you have an ability to do that. You know, uh, rest in peace for Joe Abloh. Like, we'll talk about his 3% rule, where he would take an existing thing, modify 3%, and create something new. Um, incredible, right? One of the great artists of our generations in so many ways. That affected popular culture, that affected art, that affected so many things um, through that taking something as this and modifying it. So, um, I don't know, I think that's the epitome of open source. I would say that WordPress's limitation is before, that was basically all in the code and language realm. It was all about the plugins, the themes, a little bit of design and the translations that were open source. Um, if you had to define what's next for us, it's expanding through the open verse, through things like that are more content driven images, video, audio, art. <laughs> I, I'm a photographer. My username is Photomat, so I consider photographs to be art. And uh, I hope to put more and more of the art I create, and hopefully others, into that commons, so that is the basis for what generations create in the future. So thank you so much. I appreciate the question. And with that, I think we might be, I mean, Joseph is going to- I've got two up. notes for everyone, because I would, naturally. Number one, there were a lot of questions that were asked uh, beforehand and also in the live stream chat that we did not get to. But just like last year, we will have a blog post up where we can get those answered for y'all. Don't worry. Um, and my final, final thing, let's have a round of applause for the folks who put this event together oh. and for our excellent slide makers. Right, so that's it for the live stream for this year's 2021 State of the Word. And now, I hope if you're watching at home, you can go enjoy yourself with friends. And for those who are here in person, let's go grab a drink and some food. All right, thank you all. Appreciate it. Thank you, Josefa. Thank you to the team. Like, it's been amazing. All right.